0: this is john this is the nintendo show the best damn nintendo podcast on the internet this podcast is a day late and you don't hear wes and ryan so you know what that means it is a solo show in order just to keep the pattern going um i guess this is kind of qualify as a mini show i'm going to talk about some of the things i've been playing as kind of a filler episode here but let's get right into it we'll just have some fun with it let's go um First up, I have been playing Sea of Stars, the new RPG from Sabotage, who made the Action Platformer The Messenger. We've talked about this game a couple of times on the show. So I am about 15 hours in uh, a lot of outlets and how long to be it is showing this game is like 25 to 30 hours, that sort of range. So I am getting near the halfway mark. And I am, I'm really liking it. So this is a high level stuff. It is a turn taking RPG with uh, a lot of things that have been like sort of uh, uh, minimized uh, in order to, uh, I guess, make it um, a bit more friendly. It doesn't like have the same sort of bloat that you saw from GRP, especially entering into the PS1 and 64 era where you know you're starting off with hundreds of hit points and all these these mana points and you're doing hundreds of points worth of damage right at the start and this is it's a bit more uh, uh intimate i suppose the way that the uh, damage calculations are on but anyway i'm getting into some specifics here uh high level stuff so it is Uh, turn taking in that, you know, obviously you enter your commands and then you do them and then uh, your enemies, it'll have like a little counter above their head and how many turns it will take in order for uh, them to move. It is a three member party system and you can flip between any party members whose turn you want to take next, but until everyone has taken a turn, it won't like reset and refresh everyone from Uh, in in order for for them to move again so what this does is it will force you to think strategically about what characters you want to use in order to take on which enemy who might be moving next so you might uh, want to use a character that's going to exploit an enemy weakness in order to try to finish them off before they take their turn or an uh, enemy might have a defensive shield up uh, or it's, it's more like a, not like a defensive shield like you would see in like an octopath traveler um, where you need to break down these defensive shields in order to actually inflict significant amount of, of damage. It's more like a cast. They're going to cast a powerful spell or skill. Um, So by breaking down those shields, you will interrupt their casting and force them to miss their turn. And it's a really useful thing to uh, have in battle. However, something that I have experienced a lot in this game is it's not really built with that sort of flow in mind. The, The flow of the battles, just kind of in general, is not super smooth in the way that something like Octopath Traveler, or something like a Xenoblade 2, where you're going to be doing very specific things in a specific order in order to get the best possible outcome. This is more improvisational in that when an enemy starts casting something, they may do it at an inopportune time, so it is impossible to interrupt them in a fight. Um, and it, it makes it uh, that's kind of disappointing that it's never like set up. As a puzzle to solve, like, hey, what party do I construct? What uh, order of turns do I do in order to uh, get through this unscathed? It's there's some points of the game where it's just downright not possible to do that. Um, but you know, I, I guess like the positive end of that is that it does feel sometimes when you are able to pull it off like you've you've really figured it out or like taken advantage of something that the enemy has done in order to be able to interrupt their casting and continue on uh, and kind of swing the fight to your advantage so a little bit of a double-edged sword there i think my preference is to have the fights actually work out like a puzzle that you're trying to solve and when you know the solution you're able to breeze through them quickly now the fights themselves aren't really too long but there are times when you know when you're out encountering three four five enemies where the fights can go several turns before you're able to clear all the enemies out because you're not always able to take full advantage of all of your skills because the mana points in this game are very limited, um, you can only do special moves or, or your, your casts, your special skills, a couple of times before you run entirely out of mana. And you can replenish that in battle by doing your standard attacks. So there's a sort of like give and take to the economy, and like doing a standard attack will out also scatter. Like little shards and you can uh, set a command to scoop up the shards in order to buff up your next attack and sometimes add an elemental affinity to the attack that you're doing which using those strategically will help you break down and interrupt enemy casts uh, mid fight so it's always nice to have a bunch of those around sometimes it's more to your advantage to leave them lying around and wait for them to start casting something uh, in order to kind of plan ahead in the fight um with anything kind of it kind of feels you know not like not super shitty but you know sometimes you you can be a little bit over cautious when when you're using them sometimes you'll have a bunch scattered around and finish a fight without having fully utilized them all because you're waiting for an enemy to cast something that maybe they don't do maybe they just use their standard attacks the entire time but uh, those um using your special skills will also build up your combo meter combo meter works a bit like Chrono Trigger where two characters will have a skill that they will uh, execute together doing one of those only takes one of the characters turn so the other one can still act in that round if they haven't already which is nice Uh, characters can use these combo skills with each other from the bench you can swap in a bench character at any point like Final Fantasy X and not lose a turn which is nice so they do some are really smart things with the battle to make it a bit more user friendly, um, but like the the, uh, the whole thing, because none of the the fights are really set up for you to be able to exploit things when you really figure it out. Um, it, it it feels a bit disjointed. Uh, you're not like using everything together. You're just picking bits and pieces of the different systems that are around in order to make the most of the turn that you have and and I I don't think it's uh, poorly designed or anything I just don't think it is what I like out of JRPGs or um, I I suppose this wouldn't qualify as a JRPG it wasn't made in Japan Uh, at least I don't think but it's a um, a, a, a game inspired by the... uh, RPGs from like the the Super Nintendo era that were mostly made in Japan. Um, but I think where the game really shines is actually in the exploration. So much like uh, an RPG of the era, you do have a a world map, and you're kind of like walking around the small paths in the world map, but your primary gameplay is going to be played in these these zones and there are like dungeon type areas and zones that you know could kind of behave similar to a dungeon but aren't quite as puzzly as you would think of as a as a dungeon especially compared to the rest of the game um I, the comparison was made to golden sun on NVC, and i think it's a really appropriate comparison because there are skills that you collect like the ability to push things or a little grappling hook or like a, i suppose a, a hook shot is the uh the correct comparison um that allows you to traverse the stages. Uh, jump over gaps or create a path for yourself i think that the really fun part of the game is going through these areas and figuring out what skills you're going to use in what spot in order to uh, continue to move around. They did a really good job of making the actual, like, traversing the environment a fun part of the gameplay rather than just, like, okay, here is your, uh, the dungeon that you're in. Maybe you're going to step on a switch to open a door, uh, but pretty much you're just going to, like, get in fights until you work your way to the boss. They did a really nice job of, like, making it to where, you know, you're, you have an impact on the area that you're in, um, which, which is great. It was great. This is the, the, the best part of the game. Um, is these like these zones and dungeons that you go into, and like the dungeons themselves. I've gone through two or three. Uh, like major areas that you could consider dungeons and they've both been really really great that's where the game uh, has has been my my favorite parts is um solving the puzzles around the dungeon in order to to get to the boss there was a point in the game um probably between hours uh eight and twelve where i was working my way through the segment and it really turned into a slog there were there was one particular random battle that was tougher than any fucking boss fight that I have encountered yet in the game, which was really, really irritating because it was just kind of set up for you to fail throughout. Uh, at a certain like for, for that particular battle, for that random uh, battle, I'm using that random battle in in terms of the enemies that you're fighting. They're just like little grunts, little minions. None of the battles are actually random. You can see the fights uh on the uh, on the field of play and you don't actually enter a battle screen it all takes place in the field of play there have only been a couple of times where i've gotten into a fight where an enemy is like popped out and surprised me otherwise you can see all these things coming and you can even use like your your tools like your grappling hook to your advantage to surprise an enemy and uh, scatter some of like the little orbs at the beginning of the fight which is really nice um but this, this fight, I actually turned on all of the fucking easy mode shit where I was taking less damage, doing more damage um, just because the enemy was... There, there were so many of them they were doing damage they were like doing like casting spells that were damaging the entire party and I could not for the life of me figure out what order of things I was supposed to do in order to actually have success in this battle, just playing on the normal default mode um, so I had to turn on all of the. I, I th- think the battle was really poorly designed uh, in this particular instance. I had to turn on all the easy mode shit, and I've not had to use that, uh, though those buffs and debuffs since. And I've I've never even had to retry a boss fight. The boss fights that I've had so far, I've been like been really like cleverly built and once you like figure out the pattern what the boss is going to do and what you what um like if it it has limbs if you want to take out the limbs first or what limbs are going to perform what action um and and when you're going to be able to maximize your damage i think that the boss rates have been really well uh well built with the exception of one which was just this damage sponge and no joke i had to fight this thing for 25 minutes i had to time it uh when i was like at that the halfway through point, I like looked at the clock. I've been doing this for ten minutes. I started timing, and I went for another fifteen minutes, just hacking away at this thing. Um, that that boss fight was in the the section of the game that I was not having a fun time with that I've that I've been describing. Um, not a very good one, uh, but uh, like I was saying, every other boss fight has been really really good. And once I got through that seven, once I got through that battle of attrition boss fight, the game picked right back up and has been really great since then. So this sort of early game run uh zone i think it's called wraith island that you go through if you can make it through that uh it 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 turns into a really pleasant experience again also there's a um the the, the easy mode stuff that i was talking about that you can turn on and off you actually like buy them from shops or acquire them through gameplay and You can switch them on and off in a main menu. One of them that I have uh, just turned on permanently is one that restores your HP in between fights. Unfortunately, it does not restore mana as well, which is a bummer. But it it really just helps things move along at a better clip. Because otherwise, you're either uh, always having to use your consumable items which are very limited you have a you have 10 inventory slots for consumable items to restore things like your your hp and your mana or like revives for the middle of a fight because characters just revive at the end of a fight which is good Uh, they also like if your character gets downed in a fight there's like a cooldown and they'll revive themselves which, uh, which is pretty cool um but being able to just restore all that hp at the end of a a fight in between battles just makes this where you're not always having to carry like tons of consumables and you only get 10 so what will end up happening is when you use a few you'll have to make your way back to a campfire so you can make more you can also restore all of your HP and your mana at a campfire and Especially during the Wraith Island part, I just would constantly be like doing a fight, going back and healing up, and then doing another fight and going back and healing up, and it just turned into like this constant back and forth. It's like, no, I just I need this game to just start moving, and, you know, because it doesn't restore mana. Uh, I just do have to still. Like think about what the next fight is going to be like, so it keeps me from just exploiting skills, which I suppose is the the smart way to do it. But it'd just be really nice if um, I could just get like the the mana restores in there as well. But yeah, it's a really nice looking game. I really dig the art style. Uh, the music is also quite good. I'm in a zone right now that I think is using like an adapted track from The Messenger because the music sounds super familiar but yeah uh, i think that this is one that is probably going to be worth a try for now i'd say definitely stick it on the wish list it'll probably hit a sale at some point uh, relatively soon um the the switch is not hurting for rpgs so it's it's not like a a game that i would say go rush out and get but definitely keep an eye on this one if it sounds interesting Absolutely pick it up. Um, if it was mildly interesting, then wait for a sale, because I'm sure it will be. Let's see, I've also been putting some time into Vampire Survivors, which I think we only briefly touched on uh, on the official show, and we only talked a little bit about it because we had just first played it that night. But since then, uh, I played a little bit solo. And then we we all played together again just a few nights ago. And we ended up playing for a couple hours. Because all three of us at this point have picked up the game. Uh, It is uh, quite addicting. So I guess I'm just going through the basic stuff um, again. Because I'm not sure what we covered last time. You take your little character. And every character has their own default weapon. And you'll just face... Oncoming enemies and enemies will drop exp gems, and you get them, and you level up. And leveling up will give you a dice roll, uh, and give you some options for what weapon you want to pick up next, and or, or uh, it'll be like a weapon or some sort of like a passive buff, like something that will like just make all of your projectile weapons throw more projectiles, or all of your area of effect attacks have a bigger area of effect and you just kind of like go through and you collect as many weapons as you can and try to survive the onslaught and every level lasts for 30 minutes and the more you play these maps like you can like discover relics which will do things like give you a a map for the zone that you are in and the map for the zone you will kind of give you like uh icons of like hey here's a um a buff that you can just go pick up without leveling up over here, or there's a question mark over that way. Go over there and th- uh, find out what that is. And sometimes it'll be like a new playable character that you can unlock. So the the fun of the game really comes in when you start to understand the weapon upgrade systems and what weapons and uh, passives synergize together. So every weapon has a corresponding. A passive buff that will, once you reach a certain level with your weapon allow it to upgrade, so I like to play as the character that throws knives, and I think I mentioned that on the official show um because once you there, once you fully upgrade the knife, it's just constantly throwing uh, these projectiles. It doesn't ever stop throwing. There's no cooldown for it. And there's a character that uses a, a wand uh, and has like has projectile magic that will effectively do the same thing. Um, and I've played a little bit as that character as well. But when you're when you kind of figure out, okay these are the weapons I'm getting access to so I want to go after these uh, passive upgrades as well and you start maxing out multiple weapons and getting the upgrades for multiple weapons that's when you really are start to, to be able to make it to the end of these maps these, these 30 minute challenges that you're in um, without a lot of the upgrades, or if it's just kind of like mixing and matching and not being able to max anything out. It was very, very difficult just to make it to the end. Although the first time I ever almost made it to the end, I took a screenshot of it, and I was six seconds away from getting to that uh, 30 minute mark, and I don't think I... I might have had like a couple of things totally maxed out. But there's like uh, charts that you can look up, and it shows you okay, this weapon matches with this one, and it upgrades in this way and uh, there are like uh, weapons that will upgrade that will be just continuous um, projectiles, weapons that will upgrade that will give you like uh, a permanent area of effect, like defenses weapons that will upgrade that will then like also drain HP from enemies to give yourself like so, some sturdiness or some restoration in and, and fights which is handy if you need to like plow through some enemies to make, a mis- make an escape so yeah there's a uh, uh uh, a lot to sort of manage and strategize um as you're playing the game and you can uh like i was saying unlock permanent like buffs to where like okay now every time i pick up this uh passive upgrade instead of just doing a five percent buff now it does a ten percent buff because you've purchased the permanent one there's uh, unlockable characters that you can purchase so oh and there's um like uh uh, tarot cards or 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 some sort of uh uh, i don't think they call them relics but they're also like these uh stage unlocks you can get like from a treasure chest okay now you can draw another uh, tarot card from the ones that you've unlocked and it will do things like allow you to drain more hp from these weapons or throw more projectiles so the more you play the game and understand the systems the the more that you're able to uh know what you're going to do or know if you're going to have a, a good run or not because sometimes it's just like the the luck of the draw is not on your side and there, there are ways to sort of circumvent that you can purchase permanent upgrades that will allow you to like discard things or or skip um picking an upgrade and just kind of re-roll but yeah it's it's a uh, really really fun um and we'll, we'll get um, more thoughts on that game when Wes and Ron, where all three of us are back together. Because they have been playing it quite a bit as well. But yeah, it's um, it's a game where, you know, the other day I switched it on. I was like, okay, I'm just going to play through one zone. I'm going to finish one and then move on. And then I did. And then I played for another hour and a half after that. And they, they they make it I make mean, it super easy just to jump into another one. When we were all three of us playing together a few nights ago, you know, we, we must have just been like, okay, just one more round. Like five times we said, okay, one more round after this one, uh, and just kept on going and going and going. Um, oh, and like once once you uh, play to a certain point, you can actually like set the clock to speed up, so you're not having to go for a full thirty minutes every time. So, you know, they they make it. Uh, uh, they make it to where you can smooth out the, the gameplay and not have to take up so much time just to play through one. Uh, I've also I also played through the Fire Emblem Engage DLC, the Fell Xenolog. Um, I got the DLC like a week ago and just been playing a, a map a day until I just finished it last night. And, um, you know... I I I guess maybe I was hoping for a little bit more. It's it's not as substantial. Or didn't feel as substantial. I can't remember how many missions were in the Ashen Wolves expansion for Three Houses. Maybe it was about the same. But uh, that expansion felt more substantial. Because this is... It's just six missions. And a couple of the missions are pretty short. And it's also like... Constricted to uh what you can take with you so uh what it does it kind of opens up this alternate universe storyline where o'leer enters this alternate universe where you know as your your enemies have become your friends and your friends have become your enemies and you kind of play through a similar storyline more condensed into six missions and at the end you get to take your new friends with you into the main game and play through some skirmishes with those characters if you want to but what it does is it you know like in fire emblem in in any fire emblem grid based map turn taking strategy game and you select your characters but you have a very limited pool of options because the characters that you're required to take and the characters that you can take with you are going to be locked to a preset level and they will have preset equipment so you don't get any of the customization that you've been working on with your characters so far Uh, and you know to a certain extent I get it because you know you you won't be able to take like super overpowered characters into this fight so, get it? if like they had like some level scaling going on, like like scaled back the levels of your characters, but like to not be able to take your own uh, equipment that you've worked on to put on these characters is a bit of a bummer. Um, and also, the uh, the not being able to level up as you take characters through this the these missions, I don't know, also a bit unfortunate. It, it feels. Um, Less like a separate miniature campaign, and more like just challenge missions. Now, the fifth and the sixth missions in this Fell Long DLC were really great. Um, the The way that it's sort of like uh, in the fifth mission, you can't use Alier at all. Um, she's just like trapped in this area and. Uh, under constant bombardment, so you know, sometimes you'll have to like try to use a, a skill or a long distance staff in order to try to restore some HP. Because if she dies, then the mission's over. Um, so it, you know, it it took like some uh, some actual strategic thinking and maneuvering to get all of your characters over to that side of this ruined city that you're in to like, finish the map and, and rescue her from this like sort of a, a laser jail that she ended up in and then the sixth mission um the last mission of the dlc you're fighting the a giant dragon like you do in a lot of like fire emblem ending missions but the dragon like every several turns will just totally destroy a particular chunk of the map and you have to evacuate everyone you can from that area of the map otherwise you know they get sunken into the ocean you can't use them the rest of the fight they, they don't have permanent death in the fell xenologue there are of course key characters who, who if they get killed on the map you can't, they, like you, you lose and you gotta rewind time or start over but like your, all your optional characters that you can pick from uh, from your main cast if they uh, get killed in a, in, a, in a mission, you can just take them again on the next one um but yeah, like that that was one uh you, in order to there there are a couple of ways you can do it. You can just try to go after the dragon right at the start. You're not going to be doing much damage, so it really takes some uh strategic use of your engage skills in order to try to actually do some damage and win that really quickly. The other option is to take out all of like the uh the main character bosses that scattered throughout the map um in order to like weaken the dragon to be do- able to do some damage at the end and that's one where like i i had a leer in the party of course but she was always like as far away from the dr- further away from the dragon as everyone else so i didn't even end up using her effectively during that entire fight but yeah that was that was another really good one um those two missions were big standouts for sure the rest of them were just kind of like uh standard fire emblem fair but the, the last game that I have been uh, playing is... I got the uh, the DLC, the, the two new characters for Shredder's Revenge, Ninja Turtles. Um, and there's one like... the These sort of beat uh, uh, beat 'em up characters... I, I don't ever... personally notice a huge difference but it's fun to have a couple new characters Uh, me wes and ryan played for a little bit me and the children played for a little bit with these new characters i'm kind of slowly trying to get them up to level 10 in the story mode um but other you know they they have like some some different area of effect special attacks like you would expect from that game but otherwise They're not really behaving a ton differently from the rest of the characters. No, it's 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 a beat 'em up. I think Streets of Rage Four is probably a game where there's big, big differences between any of the playable characters. I'm sure like all of the Ninja Turtles characters have their uh, their their subtle differences and like their their range and their power and their speed and the the ways that they attack and who's good at like aerial juggling and things like that. But with uh, Shredder's Revenge, you can kind of uh, mash your way through most levels which is fine it's kind of the the fun part of the game It's just picking your favorite character and mashing your way through but the last thing that i wanted to talk about really briefly because i didn't make any notes on it was there was a mario wonder direct um which and they, that game looks just absolutely delightful uh, they they showed uh, a bunch of levels. They showed a bunch of characters. Uh, I really like that they're doing all these different playable characters. It would be really, really nice if they all had like a slightly different play styles because it looks like they have like just default standard Mario, like balanced play style. And then you have like your Yoshi and your Nabbit character who. It's nice to see Nabbit in there again. But. They're just, like, the unkillable characters, but no one really plays differently from what they were saying. Like, Luigi doesn't have, like, the less traction and the higher jump and things like that, which, you know, it there, there's a lot of characters, so I can understand why you would just have, like, the one play style, but it would be nice to... to like see the extra effort and go the extra mile to have you know yoshi and peach and luigi play a little bit differently like like yoshi does to be fair yoshi does have his like his flutter jump so there's some different mechanics going on with the different color yoshi that you can use but you know we we, i think we've gotten so used to like mario luigi toad peach all playing slightly differently that you know it's it's a bit disappointing that they don't this time around uh, something that is cool is the badge system. You can collect like little uh, uh, upgrades, slight upgrades to your characters. You can equip one per level. And one is like a, a glide. You can, uh, like, your-, your hat turns into a parachute for your different characters and allows you to, to sail a little bit through the air. Or there's like a, a vine that looks like a- works like a-, a hook shot, which is really, really cool. I really like the. Um, the the style of that one and and it seems like there are going to be certain challenges or maybe collectibles that you can only get in certain levels if you take the right badge or just really skilled at like wall jumping so that is really cool it looks like it's going to have a decent amount of challenge to this game which will be great to see um it does kind of use the new super mario brothers standard like world themes like here's your desert here's your ice area here's your fire area i don't know if that's going to be like pervasive throughout the entire like zone that you're in because there were times in like super mario 3d world where it's like okay here's your desert area but not all of the levels sort of conformed to that sand theme so we'll see um it is kind of like the the standard 2d mario thing to have these uh different environmental zones that they build around it would be nice to see it mixed up a little bit or to try something different but i don't want to like prejudge it too quickly um especially with uh, all the things that they're doing with um the, the, the different power-ups with uh, the drill and the elephant with uh, being able to like carry water around and stuff like that i I'm confident enough that they'll have different ways to play that uh, I'm willing to give a little bit of a pass to having the same sort of environmental themes so withholding judgment on that and I'll probably be uh, fine for for what it is like I'm not super looking forward to uh, playing through desert areas again but I'm optimistic enough to be able to try something new that, you know, it'll probably be really good. And the game looks really, really nice. I really dig the visual style and all, like, the little flares that they're putting in, like the, the chatty flowers and all the, the, the different character animations and facial expressions. They're really putting a lot of effort into giving this game a lot of personality. And you can feel the swagger um, that they're uh, that they have when designing this one. It is a really, really nice-looking game. Uh, and like, and the 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 wonder challenges, and there they showed off like every stage has like a wonder seed which will kind of turn things on its side and give you like a a different way to play through parts of a level or change levels entirely. Uh, when you collect the seed, which is really cool, it gives uh some some replayability. I like the online approach they took to this game. Um, I think it's a, a really good compromise to not having full playable cooperative Mario because like, it would be really nice to set up a, a room and play online with friends you are very dependent on each other's internet connection because it's all like person to person connection so everyone has to have really good internet and I could see like the lag being uh, invasive or, or cumbersome to play a precise 2d platformer instead like you're playing with uh people's ghosts and you can do things like uh so, so you're not like bumping into each other so you're not like impeding each other's gameplay uh, but if, if somebody like um uh, gets knocked out or dies you can like rescue their ghost and allow them to keep playing um so you're, you're sort of like marginally affecting each other and you can place like posts in order to get like little hints or help each other out, which is pretty cool. So, you know, not the full cooperative experience that maybe uh, I would want from a Mario game, but I think that they're doing enough to where you can interact with each other without getting each other in each other's way that it'll be a really, really fun one. But on that note, I don't think there is anything else about Mario that's coming to mind right now Um, it's out October 20th and I'm really, really looking forward to this one it is going to be very, very good so next up it's probably just going to be me and Wes for the next show and we're probably just going to do another general mini show maybe if there's some, some news we'll bring that up as well but I don't know if there's anything super noteworthy right now so we'll probably just chat about some games for a little bit and what we've been playing and all that fun stuff. You know, the, the good parts of the podcast. Uh, and then Ryan should be back with us the next time around. So I think what we're going to do is uh, me and me and Russell just have a, a general fun conversation. And then after that, we'll rewind to the retro show uh, and then close out the month with the Pokemon show because we'll have the Pokemon DLC for Scarlet and Violet. So we'll be able to spend some time with that and break all that down. And that'll be that. Thanks for listening. End of podcast.